0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning.
1: Good morning.
0: As we enter this season of Thanksgiving, what a privilege and a blessing it is to worship the living God. So we want to ask you to rise this morning as we lift the name of God in song. that we are so thankful for is there anything that we are more thankful for than Jesus Christ who paid the debt that we could not pay and bridged a way so that we could make our way to God to live eternally with him he has given us living hope
2: the Lord. That's right.
3: Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in praise. We come to you, Lord, with questions. We come to you, Lord, with thanksgiving. But we come to you because, as the psalmist says, whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. Heavenly Father, we worship you as creator and sustainer of the universe. Lord Jesus, we worship you as the word in the beginning, the Savior and Lord of the world. And Holy Spirit, we praise you as the one who seals our redemption and sanctifies the people of God. But like Habakkuk, we come to you with questions and our requests. How long, Lord, must I call for your help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Our world needs Jesus. So we pray for evil to be restrained. We pray for violence to end. We pray for those who are deceived to wake up and hear the call of Jesus to save them. We pray for leaders to have wisdom when dealing with the issues of our day, the violence on our streets and in our homes, the hatred that abounds of one people against another. And we pray, too, for your church, Lord, to stand up and be bold and present in these times, making a difference in our homes, our church, our neighborhoods, so that many might know the peace that comes from knowing their maker. We pray for our pastors here at First Baptist Church, that they might always hear your voice and shepherd your people well. We pray for all the Bible study, Sunday school classes, and programs that happen here, that your word might always be center and prayer be important. We pray for Pastor Aaron as he preaches to us today from your word. And we come to you, Lord, because we are anxious and we easily forget your promises, that you are faithful and we are not to be afraid, that you have a plan and you offer us hope in the midst of evil. Forgive us for not coming daily to you for bread that will satisfy, but searching instead in every other area of our lives. And we come to you finally with thanksgiving. We are thankful for each provision in our life, for each need met, both physical and spiritual. We are thankful for those you have placed in our lives to reveal more of who you are. And we are thankful most of all for our salvation. As Brooke Ligertwood's song, So Will I says, God of salvation, you chased down my heart through all of my failure and pride. On a hill you created, the light of the world abandoned in darkness to die. And as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear. Where you lost your life so I could find it here. If you left the grave behind you, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you've done, every part designed in a work of art called love. If you gladly chose surrender, so will I. I can see your heart eight billion different ways, every precious one a child you died to save, and if you gave your life to love them, so will I. Like you would, again, a hundred billion times, but what measure could amount to your desire? You're the one who never leaves the one behind. We pray for all of these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The middle schoolers can now go to the young teen service. Good
4: morning. morning. This is the scripture reading from the book of Philippians chapter 4 verses 4 through 9. Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord.
5: Good morning, First Baptist Church of Flushing. How are we? Oh. Good. Yeah, I'd like to offer you uh, all a preemptive happy Thanksgiving this morning. We are just days away from Thanksgiving Day and the mountains of food that lie ahead. Now, uh, speaking of food, I'd like to settle the weekly question that all of us have, and that is, what are you going to do about lunch after church today? There's only one correct answer today, and that is, uh, you will be joining the First Baptist Church of Flushing Thanksgiving luncheon at 12.30 today. We will have turkey, oh yeah, I'm not done, there's more. We will have roasted vegetables, we will have mashed potatoes, we will have pernil. You're like, what is pernil? Pernil is Spanish for succulent, uh, wait, I lost my place, sorry. (laughs) Succulent marinated pork shoulder. Yeah. But wait, there's more. Yeah. You might say, I only eat Chinese food. No worries. I got you. We will have Chinese food also. What's that? Oh, you're on an all-dessert diet? Perfect. We have so much dessert, it will be coming out of your noses by the end of this. Now, the best part about all this, it is completely free of charge. Yes. Yes. Now, we, we do this because we believe in the value of table fellowship, that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we operate best when we're also friends. So after all, it's really ultimately not about the food, but it's about fellowship, getting to know your brothers and sisters in the different congregations that make up our church. So come with a spirit of gratitude and get to know someone you don't know at our Thanksgiving luncheon. So that's it for the preview. You'll hear more about the details during the announcements. Now we return to our normally scheduled sermon. (laughs) Now, in 2022, as nations across the globe reel from one crisis to another, uh, Collins' English Dictionary revealed the word of the year to be permacrisis. Now, permacrisis is a noun defined by the UK-based publisher HarperCollins as, quote, an extended period of instability and insecurity, especially one resulting from a series of catastrophic events. Now, there was a blog post on the Collins Dictionary website that noted that the term rings true because of the war in Ukraine climate change challenges, political instability, that surge in inflation. He goes on to state that the term embodies the, quote, dizzying sense of lurching from one unprecedented event to another as people wonder what new horrors might be around the corner. Now, that was 2022. Oh, my sweet summer child. For us living here in 2023, we look back at 2022 with a fondness as the good old days when our troubles seemed so far away. Now, I won't recount the state of our world because we all know it, we all feel it, but what I do want to do is as we approach the Thanksgiving holiday, I want us to devote our time to exploring what it would look like To have a peaceful Thanksgiving this year, and more than that, to have peace actually be something that that is a a defining characteristic, and attribute in our lives, especially in a time when peace is such a rare commodity in our world. Now, our passage today uh, will take us to Philippians chapter 4, and Philippians chapter 4 is a well-known, well-loved passage of scripture in the Bible. My guess is that a good number of you have memorized it at some point in your lives. I know I have. And yet, peace is elusive. It's not a present reality in our lives personally. Now, not many of us will go and say it out loud, but the question that we have to ask if we are not experiencing it ourselves is whether this word is really true. Is the peace that transcends all understanding really available to the follower of Jesus? Or is this just some pious nonsense that serves as an opiate of the masses, as Karl Marx insisted? Now, what I will contend is that it is true, but it is not automatic. One of the great problems of our day is we have equated belief with trust. There's a a way in which we can believe in the truthfulness of the tenets of the Bible and yet not live accordingly. We might nod our heads and we might say our amens, but when it comes time to act, the words of Scripture become only information that we consume but not truths that we actually live by. So intellectual assent is not the same as abiding trust, Bible, biblical faith, Biblical trust means that we put the weight of our lives on the truth and find that it will actually hold us up. To paraphrase the wise words of G.K. Chesterton, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. So what I'd like us to do today as we unpack uh, three simple commands that lead to peace and flourishing in crisis, to not just listen, but to listen and then do what it says to listen and then do what it says. I want you to experience for yourself that peace that transcends all understanding, to find that you have all that you need in Jesus Christ. You have all that you need in Jesus Christ to face any situation that comes your way. Now, the three commands are: 1, rejoice in the Lord. 2, pray with thanksgiving. And 3, think about the good and lovely. Let me say that one more time. One, rejoice in the Lord. Two, pray with thanksgiving. And three, think about the good and lovely. Now, I want this joy. I want this peace, this thanksgiving. And I want it for you as well. Let's ask God for his help in this. Would you all bow your heads with me as we go to the Lord in prayer? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come as a people in need of you. Lord, we believe the words of the Lord Jesus when he said, Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Lord, help us with our unbelief. Enable us to trust in you, to rejoice in you always, to pray and not give up, and to think about the things that are good and lovely. Speak now, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. First, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Read Philippians 4.4 4 with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Now the command uh, that the Apostle Paul gives to us is the command to rejoice in the Lord always. It's so important that he repeats himself. In fact, when he writes, I will say it again, rejoice, it conveys a sense of I will keep on saying rejoice. It's him saying, I'm going to bang on this drum until you hear me out. Rejoice. This repetition, this is command to rejoice is to emphasize this great need for us to fight for joy in the Lord in all circumstances and not just when the times are good. So why is Paul so adamant about rejoicing in the Lord always? The answer is because this has been the energizing principle that has carried him through thick and thin. Sometimes our perspective and our attitude when entering a situation will make a big difference in our experience of that situation. You know what I mean by that? Like our entry posture when facing a situation will dictate how we possess what we're going through, process what we're going through, sorry. So there's this old story about uh, two twin boys who were five or six years old. Now the parents were worried about the twins because they had developed these extreme personalities. One was a total pessimist, and the other was a total uh, optimist. So they took them to a psychologist. First, the psychologist uh, treated the pessimist. Trying to brighten up his outlook, the psychologist uh, took him to a room filled with brand new toys. But instead of yelping with delight, the little boy burst into tears. Now the psychologist is like, wait, what's going on here? What's the matter? Don't you want to play with any of these brand new toys? And the little boy said, yes. But if I did, I'll only break them. (laughs) Now next, the psychologist treated the optimist. Trying to bring down and dampen his outlook a little bit, the psychologist took him to a room filled with horse manure. Now, instead of wrinkling his nose in disgust, the optimist gave a yelp of delight. Then he clambered to the top of the pile, dropped to his knees, and then just started digging scoop after scoop with his bare hands. And then the psychologist is like, what are you doing? And then the little boy says, well, with all this manure, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. (laughs) Our attitude, our entry posture, shaped our perspective. Some of us really need to hear this as we enter the season of Thanksgiving because all we can see around us are problems, things that are wrong. We're like Goldilocks. The porridge is too hot. The porridge is too cold. Don't they know how many carbs are in this porridge? Everything stinks. But what these folks don't understand and realize is that what really stinks is the attitude that they're bringing. Everything stinks because their attitude is like smearing durian under their noses. Do you all know what durian is? It's this fruit right here, (laughs) right? It's it's a fruit that originates from Southeast Asia and has a a flavor that is delicious to some people. Uh, But what it's most known for is its awful, awful smell. Some have described the scent akin to ripe gym socks and rotting garbage. Now, the smell is so bad that hotels in Thailand have a no durian policy. If they detect the smell of durian in your hotel room, they will slap you with a cleaning charge. But that's essentially what a bad attitude is like. Everything stinks because you've smeared durian under your nose events and situations that might be neutral or even good become rotten because of the energy you're kind of bringing into it. So Paul's command here to rejoice is this encouragement to cultivate a a more positive outlook, a mindset uh, that chooses joy, trusting that God is in control. Now, this call to joy, though, is more than just positivity. It's more than just good feelings. Philippians is often called the book of joy, But this joy was born out of struggle. It was born out of hardship. Now, as you flip through the letter uh, to the Philippians, you'll see that Paul had to face a number of different challenges. First, he had to mediate a conflict between Yodia and Syntyche, two parties who were at odds with one another uh, within the church and just could not get along. So that's conflict in the church there's also the Judaizers who are trying to pull believers away from the church and back into Judaism. That's conflict outside of the church. Then you have to remember that Paul, at the time of writing uh, the letter to the Philippians, was in prison. So that's trouble on every side. Now as a pastor, I feel that so much. There's a telltale sign that a pastor is wary and in need of some encouragement. And, And that's when you see them do this Um, I guess you can call it what I like to call the pastoral sigh, this, right, that deep breath in and out coupled with that dejected look like you've lost a lot of money. (laughs) But it's not to be confused with the, that's just the pastor being out of shape, right? (laughs) Now, Paul's solution for us in the midst of trouble is not diaphragmatic breathing. It's where he set his hope. He could rejoice because he had set his hope on Christ. In one of the high points of the letter to the Philippians, Paul reveals his great love for Jesus when he says this, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. He loves Jesus, and he can rejoice because he knows that if he has Jesus, he has all that he needs to face down any and every situation. Anything that comes in life, he'll be able to handle it because the Lord is with him. In the end, the energizing principle that enables him to rejoice is not a principle at all. It's actually a person. Now, nothing compares To the supremacy of Christ and his surpassing greatness. Knowing Jesus is the greatest thing that has ever happened to those of us who are in Christ. And it's so precious that everything else pales in comparison. Paul is saying that even the best things outside of Christ are garbage by comparison. Now, for me personally, Probably the best thing that ever happened to me outside of becoming a Christian was when I fell in love with Connie and she said yes. It gave me this irrational confidence in life that I never possessed before. It didn't matter what other people thought about me. I knew that there was at least one person who could stand me. <laughs> one person who loved me enough to commit herself to spending the rest of her life with me but even human love pales in comparison to the incomparable love of God in Christ. Jesus didn't just love me enough to remain committed to me for the rest of my life. He gave his very life for me. And much more than that, he has solved the problem of the human condition once for all through the shedding of his uh, blood in his death and by his resurrection. Nothing we face in this life can take that away. And this is why we can rejoice in the Lord always. Now, as one person has said, God is no distant deity, but a constant reality, a very present help whenever needs occur. So, so live like it and laugh like it. The apostle Paul did. And we, when he lived, he drained every drop of joy out of every day that passed. Rejoice in the Lord. Now, the second command that we are given is to pray with thanksgiving. Pray with thanksgiving. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, here in this uh, verse, we're given something to avoid and something to pursue. The command uh, not to be anxious about anything is a command not to allow anxiety to overwhelm, to overtake us. These anxieties, on one hand, are wrong. It's not wrong, and it's not inherently sinful. After all, anxiety is often born out of genuine care and concern. We will only be anxious when we care about something. But an inordinate amount of anxiety will rob you of your joy in Christ. So here here are a a few common concerns that, if left unchecked, can rob you of your joy in Christ. I would say probably the number one joy stealer for the majority of people is money. It's worrying about money. Most of us have some, but not enough. It's easy to worry about money. It's easy to worry about job security, how we can get out of debt or save enough for the future ahead. It's easy for that uh, to make us anxious because of our financial situation. The fear of not having enough to make ends meet can be one of those things that rob you of your joy. Now, a second joy stealer is your health. In the words of the 6 finger man in The Princess Bride, if, you, don't, if you, you haven't got your health, you haven't got anything. Health scares have this potential to rob us of our joy, sap us of spiritual vitality. When you try to Google your symptoms online, it only makes things worse because now you have more possibilities of what, you, what could go wrong. The third joy stealer is your Relationships. Sometimes it's family strife, other times it's a conflict with coworkers, still other times it's uncertainty in romance. Our fear of loss, our fear of rejection, fear of loneliness can ramp up the anxiety in our lives. Now, I haven't even mentioned things like parents worrying about their children, feeling overwhelmed about not having enough time, or global issues like war, natural, uh, natural disasters, political instability. But one and all, these things can become an obstacle to joy. And that's why the the command not to be anxious about anything reminds us not to let these joy-stealers live rent-free in our minds and so dominate our lives, but then instead to bring them one by one to God. Eugene Peterson said this, those people who pray know what most around them either don't know or choose to ignore, centering life in the insatiable demands of the ego is the sure path to doom. They know that life confined to the self is a prison, a joy-killing, neurosis-producing, disease-fomenting prison. Now, it is prayer that breaks us out of that prison of self into the freedom that we have in Christ. What we are to pursue is prayer in every situation, to bring our concerns as requests back to God. Are you worried about something? Then pray are any of you in need of healing, then ask God and invite others as well to pray. Too often we turn to prayer as the last resort and then we miss out on the blessings that come by going to the Lord in prayer. In his book, Not a Fan, Kyle Eidelman tells his own personal story about how he he had thought about life as something that all depended on him. Allow me to read it directly so you can hear it in his voice. said, when I started a new church in Los Angeles County, California, I found that I was overwhelmed with pressure and stress. I was working more than 70 hours a week. My wife would ask me to take a day off, and I would say, I can. I wasn't sleeping at night. I started taking sleeping pills. When the church was about a year old, I woke up in the night, and I had this strange sense that God was laughing at me. As I lay in bed, I wonder, why is God laughing at me? It would take five years before I finally got an answer to that question. Here's how it happened. When we moved into our current house, I saved the heaviest piece of furniture for last, the desk from my office. As I was pushing and pulling the desk with all my might, my four-year-old son came over and asked if he could help. So together, we started sliding it across the floor. He was pushing and grunting as we inched our way along. After a few minutes, my son stopped pushing. He looked at me and he said, Dad you're in my way <laughs> and then he tried to push the desk by himself of course it didn't budge then i realized what he thought he that he thought he was actually doing all the work instead of me and i couldn't help but laugh that moment i started laughing at my son's comment i recalled that middle of the night incident and i realized why god was laughing at me i thought i was pushing the desk I know that's ridiculous, but instead of recognizing God's power and strength, I started to think it all depended on me. Are you anxious because something is too big for you to handle? Pray. Are you losing sleep because of your cares and concerns? Pray and bring them to the Lord. Now, the command to pray includes a command to give thanks. So it's not just uh, presenting a laundry list of requests to God. Kevin Kling, who can uh, be frequently heard on NPR, talked about how he learned a life-changing lesson of the three phases of prayer while he was in the hospital recovering from a bad motorcycle accident. In the first phase of prayer, we pray to get things from God. And then in the second phase, we pray to get out of things. And while he was in rehab for that accident, Kling learned the third phase of prayer, giving thanks to God. He says, I've been through many surgeries during my six-week stay in the hospital, and each day I would ride the elevator on the ground floor and try to take a walk. That was my job. 9-11 had happened the week before. And as our country was entering trauma, I was living one. After my walk, my wife, Mary, and I went into the gift shop, and she asked if I wanted an apple. She said they looked really good. Now, I hadn't tasted food in over a month. I lost a lot of weight because food had no appeal. So I said no, but she persisted. Come on, try it. So finally, I said, all right, and I took a bite. And for some reason, that was the day flavor returned. That powerful sweetness rushed from that apple. And oh, it was incredible. I started to cry, cry for the first time in years. The tears flowed, and as the anesthesia and antibiotics flushed through my tears, it burned my eyes. And between the sweetness of the apple and the, the, the uh, burning for my tears, uh, it felt so good to be alive. I blurted out, thank you, thank you, thank you for this life. And that's when my prayer shifted again to giving thanks. In recent years, we've all heard about the benefits of gratitude, Harvard psychologist who teaches um, about gratitude suggests that we can train our brains to become more grateful by setting aside five minutes a day for practicing gratitude, just five minutes. He cited this study in which people were asked to take uh, five minutes a day at the same time every day to write down three things they were thankful for, three things and three things only. They didn't have to be big things. They had to be concrete, though, and specific, such as I'm thankful for this delicious Thai takeout. I had last night, or I'm thankful that my daughter gave me a hug, or I'm thankful that my boss complimented my work. Now, the participants simply expressed thanks for three specific things at the same time every single day. At the end of one month, the researchers found, followed up, and they found that those who had practiced gratitude, including those who stopped the exercise after one week, were happier and less depressed. Remarkably, after three months, the participants who had been part of the one-week experiment were still more joyful, more content. Incredibly, after the six-month mark, they were still happier, less anxious, less depressed. Giving thanks is good for us in general. And giving thanks to God is particularly good because we rightly thank the giver of all good gifts. Verse 7 tells us the result of praying with thanksgiving. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now the text informs us that as we pray, the Lord grants us a peace that cannot be explained merely by human explanation, because this is something that's beyond comprehension. This peace guards our hearts and minds. The word used for guard literally is the same word used of military sentries uh, standing at attention to protect and defend. And that's what happens when we pray, when we cast our cares upon the Lord. But once again, this is not automatic. You have to put it into practice. You have to actually pray. Now, I had this uh, former church member who was a professional, um, personal trainer, but he was also not fit at all. In fact, everyone in our discipleship group was in better shape than he was. And uh, to add to all that, he would post uh, his late night snacks on social media, instant noodles, the junk food he was eating before going to bed. And one discipleship uh, meeting, we, we were all cracking up and we were giving him a hard time. We, we weren't fatching; we were just having a laugh, right? And, and we're like, dude, how are you a personal trainer? And then he, with this sheepish grin, he, he, he looked at us and he said, don't look at the body, look at the knowledge. It doesn't really work, does it? Now, in the same way, just to know all this about prayer and how it works and how it's great, but to not actually pray will do you no good. You need to put this into action by exercising your prayer muscles in order to experience this peace that transcends all understanding. So are you worried? Then pray. Do you have something to give thanks for? Then give thanks to God in prayer. Finally, think about the good and lovely. Think about the good and lovely. Verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, this verse is a great counterbalance to the anxieties of life. There's this article in the Gospel Coalition where the author gave the insight that sometimes we view commands like this, do not be anxious, as if the heart uh, were like a cup full of fear or, or anxiety, and it just needs to be emptied of its emotions. However, I think that fails to understand that sorrow, fear, anxieties are not always sinful emotions. In fact, such emotions may constitute appropriate responses to the loss of real goods. The heart actually is more like a scale, specifically like one of those balance scales, the kind that you see as a symbol for justice, because the two sides weigh different arguments and positions in the process of reaching a true and right judgment. So the command not to worry will take this picture of the heart into account. The encouragements of the Bible should be offered as a sort of counterweight. Doing so might look like this. I know your heart is rightly heavy with sorrow due to the loss of some good things, and it's overwhelmed by present circumstances. However, let me offer you this counterweight, not to remove the emotions like in the cup metaphor, but to place them in relation to a larger reality, the reality of God's sovereign goodness, his attention, his purpose and all of which offer solid reasons for encouragement and hope in the midst of trial. Now the counterweights don't remove the weights of the heart, but they provide cons- consolations that enable our hearts to bear those weight of sorrow, anxiety, fear until we come to the destination of a mixed unshakable beatitude in the presence of the God, true and noble God. Now What the author is getting at here is that as we dwell on the reality of God's goodness, it acts as this counterweight that lightens the weight of our anxieties. Practically speaking, how do we do that? By thinking deeply about the things that are good, the things that are lovely. This is a command to biblical meditation. I heard Joe Cena once quote Rick Warren, and he said, if you know how to worry, then you know how to meditate. Let me say that again, because I love this. If you know how to worry, then you know how to meditate. Worrying is dwelling on difficulties and troubles. Meditating is dwelling on the truths of God. I always liken meditating to uh, eating oxtail stew. Have you ever had oxtail stew? When right. The Jamaicans say, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> when, uh, when my kids, uh, well, mainly Noah, when Noah eats oxtail stew, there is so much meat left on that oxtail, right? It drives me nuts. I look at it, I'm like, that's 30 cents of meat right there. That's 50 cents, (laughs) right? (laughs) Um, And and in a similar sort of way, that's often how how we go about with thinking. We think on a very superficial level. The average human attention span is 8.25 seconds. The average attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. That means we have a shorter attention span than a goldfish. And it's kind of true. If if you ever notice yourself on on social media, it's just just swiping one after another. It's so fast. And the the truth is, though, if we want to grow spiritually, we need to fight this tendency to just simply settle for superficial thinking. Stop leaving all that good meat on the bone. Now, when I eat oxtail, I savor it. There will not be a molecule of meat or cartilage left on that oxtail by the time I am done because I have gnawed on it and sucked on the juices like I was a Rottweiler. And that's what biblical meditation is like. That's what it's like. As you dwell on the Word of God, as you dwell on the truths of God's nature, you're not superficially scanning the words of Scripture for information transfer, you're lingering over the text. You're soaking deeply in the reality of who God is. You're praying through his attributes until the goodness and loveliness of God becomes an ever-present reality. As you do, I guarantee you that you will have peace. You will have joy. You will experience his power at work in and through you. As we close, I want to read a list from Louis Giglio in his uh, book, actually our life group book, Don't give uh, the enemy a seat at your table. And on one hand, we'll have the worries. On the other hand, we'll have the truths of God's word. Let me just read them, and then after we're done, I'll pray. First, the worry. I am weak and powerless. God's truth. God's strength is more than sufficient. 2 Corinthians 12. The worry. I am unlovable to God and others. God's truth. God loves you with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31. The worry. I can't be used by God because of my past. God's truth. God has blotted out the sins of your past. Romans 8. The worry. I am worthless and irrelevant. God's truth. You are God's treasure. Deuteronomy 7. The worry, I am rejected and abandoned, God's truth. God has adopted you into his own family, Ephesians 1. The worry, I am deficient and incomplete, God's truth. God has made you whole and complete, Colossians 2. The worry, I am alone and no one cares about me, God's truth. God cares for you and is with you, 1 Peter 5. The worry, I can't have peace in life. God's truth, God will give you his perfect peace. John 14. The worry, I have no purpose in this life. God's truth, God has great plans for you. Finally, the worry, I am ordinary and average. God's truth, you are extraordinary and unique. Psalm 139. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we believe with all of our hearts that you were telling the truth when when you said that, that that we can have a peace that transcends all understanding in Christ Jesus. And we pray that we would appropriate these truths, that we would follow your commands to rejoice in you always uh, to pray with thanksgiving and to think about those things that are good and lovely help us in this grant us your peace in this thanksgiving season and and in all of our lives that we would testify to your goodness as a result in jesus name we pray Amen. amen
0: would you stand as we dwell on the truth that we know the king of kings
6: In the darkness we we were waiting without without
2: hope, without without light, till from heaven. Praise the Father.
7: Good afternoon. I'd like to welcome you to First Baptist Church. Welcome to all of you here in the sanctuary today and also to all of you joining us here online. If uh, you are new to the church, if you could please raise your hand and raise your hand high. The ushers have a card to give you. And if you could please complete that card and then return it just outside the sanctuary uh, to, to your right at the exit, store, exit sign. Uh, there is a table and there will be people to greet you. And also, there is a gift bag for you, a special gift to give you. And we hope that you enjoyed your time with us today and that you'll also be coming back. Um, now I'd like to give an opportunity for all of you to greet one another and to share one thing that you're thankful for. Now for a few announcements. Raise your hand if you're joining us for the combined Thanksgiving luncheon. Raise your hand. Yes. Okay. So many of you are joining us, and um, it's with the English and Chinese congregations, and everyone is invited. As Pastor Aaron says, it is a free lunch, and we give thanks to our Lord and praise his name. Um, Food is going to be served um, in the basement. Um, And um, so you get your food in the basement. of, uh, And then there's seating in the basement. But then there will also be seating in the fellowship hall in the north wing. So you're going to go in the basement in the south wing, get your food. You can either stay there or you can go to the fellowship hall spread out. Okay, so we are a big church. We don't have to be all in the basement. Um, and then, and as Pastor Aaron mentioned, we really encourage you to mix and mingle and meet someone you don't know at the church. You know, just enjoy the time of fellowship together. And then the last thing I want to say is after the lunch is over, we could really use everyone's help by putting away your chair and cleaning up after lunch. So that would just make things easier for everyone. Okay. Great. Well, we're excited about lunch and glad so many of you are joining us. I just wanted to share the results of the congregational meeting from last Sunday. The 2024 budget was approved and the following officers were elected: for deacons, Daniel Lee, Juan Jose Argueta; for the trustees, Chung Ning, or Mark Cheng, Frankie Sang, and Tabitha Williams Brown. Oh, and also Treasurer Kathy Young. (laughs) Angel Tree is a program of prison fellowship, connecting parents in prison with their children through the delivery of Christmas gifts. And our church will be participating in Angel Tree The gifts will be presented to the children through a party at our church on Saturday, December 9 at 5 o'clock. And would you like to purchase a gift worth $25 for a child in the name of their incarcerated parent? If you're interested, please contact Carol Liu, uh, carollu at fbcflushing.org by December second to choose a child today we will be collecting our special Thanksgiving wing security camera system and now I'd like to have joy come up for a special announcement
1: good good afternoon um, November is the national adoption month <laughs> Um, But we would like to encourage you to adopt a missionary for this month, Uh, adopt a missionary that FBC supports. All throughout this year, we've been providing you with updates of our missionaries and their ministries. Uh, In the following two slides, you'll see a a photo collage of who they are. And um, what we would like you to do is to pray and encourage them. Missionaries' needs are, are pr- tangible prayers and encouragement. So we'd like you to do, uh, adopt a missionary this month, pray for them, write an email or a card. I'll have cards um, available to outside if you'd like to do that, just to encourage them and send a, a word. Um, let the missionaries know that they're in a very tangible way, that they are in our prayers. Uh, so if you would like to do that, um, I have some prayer cards um, available that I could make available to you um, that would be a, where you could put in your Bible and then as a reminder that you can pray for them. There's a photo of each missionary here. Uh, so if there's something that you'd like to do, um, please come and see me in the foyer outside after the service. Thank you for your attention.
7: Now I'd like to ask the ushers to come forward and join me in praying for today's offering. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Pastor Aaron's sermon today. And Father, thank you that in everything we can give thanks as it is your will in Christ Jesus. And that we don't have to be anxious for anything, but that we can give everything to you in prayer. And Father, uh, We thank you for the opportunity to give back to you what you have given to us so generously. Father, we pray that you would use these offerings to further your kingdom all for your glory here in Fleshing and around the world. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Across a great divide, left behind, heaven's throne to build it here inside. There, at a the cross, you paid the debt I owed, broke my chains and freed my soul. For the first time, I had hope. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood.
4: Thank
2: you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you had saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light. You took my place, laid inside my tomb of sin, you were buried for three days, but then you walked right out again, and now death has no sting, and life has no end, for I have been transformed by the blood of the Lamb, the blood of life.
4: Thank
2: you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into
5: Would you all rise for the benediction? Receive the benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen.
0: Come all you weary, Come all you weary, come all you thirsty. the luncheon and happy Thanksgiving.